Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Oh, wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. Wonderful to see the rain outside and the rain inside. Amen. The spiritual rain in this place. Amen. I'm excited to preach this morning. And I just feel to start a sermon when you're going to talk about money on a high note, on a really, you know, really joyful, positive note. So we'll see if we can maintain that as we go. No, we're in a series called Devoted. And if I haven't met you, my name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in an exciting time as a church. If you're a part of this church, would you agree we are in an exciting time? Um, I, I think we really are an exciting season from where I am sitting in the picture as one of your pastors and leaders and on team here and, and coming off a of church camp and just seeing what's going on in the, the children's ministry. You know, there's over 40 kids at church camp and that wasn't even all the kids that come to our children's ministry. And it's so wonderful to see what's happening in, in the youth space, Friday night youth space and how some people can and can't ice skate on Friday nights. Some people falling over, great ice skating on, the, on Friday night. And, and just other ministries, our connect groups are starting to feel like they're getting momentum and there's stuff happening there, which is exciting. And a men's group, and yeah, I could go on. It's just exciting. But I really love what I love and I don't get to hear it all, but just them little snippets of what God is doing personally in people's lives, in their marriages, in their families, with their kids. I love that stuff. That's why we do this. That's what we're here for. That's the purpose. There's so much that the vision that God's got on our heart is just beginning uh, in being more than a Sunday because we want to be devoted to everything that God's called us to be devoted to. And we've been looking at Acts in the book of Acts. If, uh, that's just the, really the, the, the story of when the church was born and the things that they really devoted themselves to. And who knows that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. See, I, I, I'm not all about more people for numbers. So they can say, hey, how many people go to your church? No, I'm, I'm about more people because I'm about souls for heaven. Kingdom, kingdom advancement and souls that don't go to hell, but go to heaven for eternity. That also get heaven on earth now. Every person, and you can see the spare seats around you, as some of them probably were taken up by kids. But that, you know, there's, there's a soul in Kalamunda that needs a seat in this place to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about here. And we're devoted to that, devoted to the Word of God. We're devoted to prayer, as we t- said last week. In Acts 2.42, my first slide says this. It says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Notice this week we're looking at they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love this in Proverbs where it says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You can leave that slide there for the moment. I just think you can take that promise to the bank. That is a promise that God... All of his promises are yes and amen, but that is a promise you can take to the bank that if you refresh others, God will look after you. In this world of selfies, of iPhones, of I this, of our self, 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 God is looking for a church that will be so selfless, so generous. And I want to talk this morning about being devoted to generosity. Devoted to generosity. I heard the story of a man, he uh, woke up in the morning, he was sweating He was terrified. He was shaking. Looked at his wife and said, I just had not a bad dream. I had a nightmare. His wife said, tell me what what happened. What happened? Well, he said, in the dream, I got a new job. 
and my income was exactly 10 times what I give at church. And the wife said, what's so wrong with that? What happened in the dream? And he said, well, we had to sell the house. We had to sell the car. Everything got, we nearly had to sell the kids. Had to sell, we could not make it. We could not survive. Interesting story. Uh, we're going to talk, I just thought I'd get the awkwardness happening now in the room that we're going to talk about money this morning, about being devoted to generosity and about being what, where we're at as a church. I'm going to give you a snapshot picture of where we're at as a church. And you know, some people, we throw around the 10% thing. We should be giving 10%. You're going to see this morning, that's not my heart as a pastor. It's not something that I really live by the 10%. I think it's a great thing in Scripture. You're going to see in a moment. I'll qualify what I'm saying from the Bible. I think it's a great starting place uh, and that sort of thing, but it's not really, we're not, it's not about a rule and about a law. So let's talk about what it means to be extravagant in generosity. Are you ready? John 12 verse 1, and we're looking at a story here of a lady named Mary who was extravagant in generosity. So if you've got John 12 1 and you're scrolling along, Let's read it together. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Sorry, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Verse 2. There they made him supper. Because who knows, Martha is a good cook. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus, with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of Spikenard and, and of Spikenard anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, a year's worth of wages? Why wasn't it sold and given to the poor? It's interesting how we always compare that, that spirit of comparing. We, we usually only compare with people who have more than us. It's like, well, they've got a bigger house than me. Well, they've got a better car than me. But we don't compare the people lesser than us. It's just interesting. Human nature, Judas is not happy. And, and it says he said this, not that he actually cared for the poor, uh, but because he was a thief. And that he had the money box. He was the treasurer of Jesus' little church he had there. And he used to take what was put in it. But I love what Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. I love this. This story in another account, Jesus made a promise. He said, wherever the gospel is preached, this story would be known. Wherever the gospel is preached, this woman would never be forgotten, this Mary. But I want to get you to notice the two natures here, the nature of generosity from Mary and the nature of selfishness from Judas. Mary's nature was to value Jesus. Judas's nature was selfishness. Uh, you know, God is a generous God and Satan is a selfish being. And so you can you never forget that. God starts with G, generous. Satan starts with S, uh, selfish. Uh, and as we are ambassadors, we are children who reflect our Father's image. We are image bearers of a generous God. Amen. We're His image bearers of a generous God, so we should reflect His nature. And when you come to know Jesus, by the way, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you'll, you'll definitely get something out of what I'm saying, but this isn't aimed at, at, at you. If you're here and you're visiting uh, and I'm talking about our finances of the church, uh, this isn't aimed at you. A lot of what I'm saying will be aimed at people that call Calamunda their spiritual home. Does that make sense? But, but when you become a Christian, something shifts and it's impossible if you truly have met Jesus not to be, move from selfishness to generosity. 
Now, it might take a bit of time, but who knows? There's a guy in the Bible called Zacchaeus, who the kids looked at last week, and he was a short, filthy, rich man. He was small, but he had lots of money, filthy rich, and he would get money from um, uh, you know, immoral ways off people. And when Jesus came to his house and he encountered the grace of Jesus, he went from being a stingy, filthy, rich man to a generous person, giving things away, repaying people four times what they had. Because that's what Jesus will do when you receive his generosity in your life. Whereas in the chapter before Zacchaeus, there's a guy called the rich young ruler and he said he came to Jesus with questions and, and talking about eternal life and, and Jesus challenged him that, you know, you think you've kept the law and this sort of thing. Why don't you sell all your own, own and come and follow me? And he went away sad. He went away sad. Actually, all through Luke, if you look, there's so much in Luke about money, about the, uh, in Jesus' stories um, and, and, and everything about that. And in the Bible, there are different types of giving. There are different types of generosity. Uh, we see with Mary, it's like an extravagant gift. In the Bible, there is what is known as the tithe. The word tithe simply means the first tenth, the 10%. You're not just any 10%, it's the first tenth. And they were commanded to bring their tithe um, to the priest. We see that in the Bible. We also see offerings in the Bible. The word offerings would be above and beyond your tithe. And it talks about that. But then we also see this extravagant giving. Extravagant giving. And I feel like that if we're, if, we're, if we're in a lifestyle of regularly being generous and giving, it's the extravagant giving that gets really exciting, yeah? I mean, it is a thrill to be generous if you are a generous person. It's actually a real thrill to be generous. I remember one of the first times I received an extravagant gift myself. I was uh, talking to Rod before the service. It was actually about 12 years ago. I was between uh, jobs with churches and, and Rod had actually said, oh, I've got a friend I want to introduce you to next time you're in Perth. Come and have a coffee at the Dome. And I can't even remember his name. We're trying to think about this incident that happened, but it was just such a short meeting. But this person, had God had put it on his heart to give me an, a, a gift, an envelope. And it was the first time that I'd ever received $1,000 cash from a total stranger as I was between churches, it was between jobs and things like that. And it did something in me. It like unlocked something about having a heart to be generous. And I was always looking forward to a day that I would be able to do that sort of thing, give stuff away and the thrill of that. And what it did in my life and that season opened me up to where God was having me. God is calling us to extravagant giving like that. Does that make sense? It comes from number one. I've got three key points and then we're going to, in the third point, look at where we're at as a church. But I want to speak to the area of giving because, and I like the term giving more than tithing. I think it's more sits in the New Testament. If you read 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, it's all about giving. They don't use the word tithing in there, but the word giving and being generous is all through it. Um, it's a discipleship issue in your heart, in your life. It's not that God needs your money. It's that God wants your heart. And you're going to see that. So the first point I want to make is this, is that uh, being devoted to generosity always comes from a heart of gratitude or gratefulness. It's interesting that our story that we looked at with Mary pouring out this expensive perfume, uh, pouring it out, a year's worth of wages. Think about that. She was in a position to be prepared to worship in a way like she'd never worshipped before. The religious people called it waste. Jesus called it worship. She was in a position and obviously 
to do this, she was, it was a sacrificial, extravagant gift. Imagine what, I don't know what the average annual wage is, but think about that, a year's worth of your wage has been in a position to be able to give that away to God in such a way for his kingdom purposes. Imagine that. What an amazing thought. That is a lot. But think about her heart of gratitude. You see, to understand why this happened is you've got to understand that John 11, uh, 12 comes after John 11. I know, I'm a sheep shearer. I can count. I add up sheep. So 11 was before 12. And so in 11, there's a guy called Lazarus who's Mary's brother. And Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he's sitting with them and he's sitting with Laz and you can see him just sitting there and they're at the table and Mary in a moment, I can imagine, just gets her heart full of gratitude and says, that was my brother. He was once dead. Now he is alive and sitting at the table with my saviour. Martha, you keep cooking, but I've got to go and get something. And she runs and she grabs the oil and she brings it back and she just starts worshipping him out of this grateful heart and wiping and, and anointing him and this beautiful moment of worship. Why? because she was grateful because she had seen his hand on her brother's life. How much more us? The Bible says in Ephesians, we were dead in trespasses and sins, but God who is rich in mercy made you alive in Christ. Come on, we should have a grateful heart. Giving is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. Because we were once dead and now we are alive. It should be the natural response. I want to give you not just my money, but my time, my life, my prayers, my worship. Everything of me out of a grateful heart. Mary comes and she's worshipping Jesus. Her generosity was birthed from gratefulness. John 3.16, the famous verse, For God so loved the world that He, he gave. He gave. The definition of generosity is to give and expect nothing in return. No strings attached. If you give to this church and you're thinking, oh, I don't know really what they're, you know, that's giving with your conditions. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have good soil to give into. There are some churches that I would never give to. Don't give to dead churches. Don't give to churches that aren't preaching the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Give to churches that are preaching the gospel, that are preaching God's word, where things are, I'll get into that in a minute, but where the God's life is active. But we're never more like God than when we are giving. And we're never more like Satan than when we are stingy. Is that too harsh? <laughs> when we hold in, when we hoard, when we're stingy, that's, that's like, that's not God. God's a generous God. He's a giving God. And I love what Jesus said. He said, leave Mary alone because she has kept this for my day of burial. You've got to catch this. Six days later, after she's anointed him, Jesus is on the cross. We're getting close to celebrating Easter, and he's, he dies, and he's crucified, and he pays the price for our sin. And obviously, there's not much time from getting him off the cross to having him anointed with oil for burial. Who knows that? Who, we, didn't, we often skip over this, but he was anointed for his burial. But Mary had done it. She had anointed the body of Christ six days before and God knew that he would go into the tomb and he would be anointed like they would normally do before the burial, but he was already done because generosity is God's plan to do something that only he can do. You've just got to sow the seed. Mary just had to do what she was called to do and he would be anointed for burial. I love that thought. I love that thought that it was 
more than just, it wasn't a waste. I mean, do you really not think the King of Kings, the Son of God deserved an anointing for his burial when he was about to pay the price for the sin of the world? If anybody, not just a common criminal on a cross, the Son of God, do you not think he deserves at least a year's worth of wages? That's nothing compared to what he deserved for his burial, the Son of God to take away the sin of the world. And you know, when we, when we worship when, with our giving, we are investing, we are putting oil in, we are putting power into the body of Christ on earth today and giving him that anointing that we need. Six days later, see, God's plan is always to multiply the seeds we give. I remember I did get an opportunity a few years ago to give an extravagant gift from me and Sky to somebody in the same fashion that was given to us. It was quite a few, few years ago where we found out... Can I have my water? I get a bit... <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional about it, but it's an emotional story. But um, Is that okay? Yeah. I heard news of a friend that wasn't a friend at the time, but he'd... Uh, an acquaintance, you could say, grew up with a little bit, but didn't really know him very well, and he was diagnosed with uh, life-threatening illness. And, um, and I just remember at the time, uh, he'd reached out for some help, and there were some, some common things that we'd been through that we could help this person with, but I didn't really know him. And so I organised to go to the hospital where he was, and knowing that uh, it wasn't a great, very good diagnosis. And um, thanks, mate. Anyway, <laughs> good on you, Nick. Lighten the moment. I went to the hospital, and as we were going there, as I said, I didn't really know the person very well, but I um, wanted some help and advice with different things about treatment and stuff. And so God put it on my heart, and I checked with Sky. I said, I just really feel we just want to sow a seed. I just want to bless him. I just want to give. Remember what we were given that years ago? I want to give that. I want to give an extravagant gift. Not, not our tithe, not, not something we'd normally give to the church. This is something different. This is separate. I want to give him something extravagant. And I went there and left it and chatted with him and, and started a friendship, but left this envelope and, and texted me later on. He said, Walters, he said, thanks so much. And I said, no, nah, it's all good. We understand what what it can be like in terms of you've got all these costs and things. And I said, I'd just love to catch up whenever you want. We started to catch up regularly and it was so good. And we would um, do things together, introduced him to the sauna because I love saunas and uh, built this relationship. Long story short is that um, things didn't go very well with his treatment at all. Um, but during that time, we were able to spend so much time with him that my mum led him to the Lord and um, he, he came to know Jesus. And he came to know Jesus and then we, we kept building a relationship and unfortunately he passed away and I get a phone call from his mum and said, the thing he's written down is that he wants you to do his funeral. And I remember 700 people on a footy oval sharing the gospel, sharing where he's at now, sharing what God had done in his life and sharing the truth 
And it was painful and it's horrible. But you know, that was just a seed, a generous seed. I wasn't giving so that that would happen. But when you are generous, when you give extravagantly, you open up hearts, not just your own, but other people's. And you don't know what God can do with a seed sown. I look back to that. It's not that I was paying to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the heart of it. It's when you're generous, how God opens doors and the next thing to the next thing. People are grateful and generosity comes from a grateful heart. And I, I, I love that sort of stuff. And my second point, I'm going to move on so I don't cry anymore, but it says this, uh, when we are devoted to generosity, it comes out of a kingdom mindset. It is about the kingdom. We are generous because it's our mission to be not about our kingdom. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Him first, not Brad's kingdom, not the kingdom of Kalamunda, the kingdom of God. There's a parable in Luke 12 called the rich fool. Again, all through Luke, you'll see this stuff. And it says that this, this guy was building wealth and acquiring wealth. And he, he said, you know what? I need bigger barns for all my wealth. I need bigger sheds. I need bigger stuff. So, so he builds bigger barns. And then in verse 19, it says this, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be? which you have provided. So is he, catch this, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now catch this, the issue here is not that he was building wealth. Acquiring wealth is fantastic. There is nothing wrong with money. Money is not evil. It's the lust and love of money that is evil. Money is awesome. Money is powerful. Money opens doors. Money builds churches. Money builds orphanages. Money feeds people. Money, it's not that he was acquiring wealth. It was his attitude towards his wealth. It was not that he had wealth. It was that his wealth had him. What he possessed was actually possessing him. And he says to himself, oh, well, my soul. So you can see it's not that it's what he did with his wealth that God was challenging. It's that he was blessed and blessed and blessed. But the Bible says we are blessed to be a blessing. Right from with Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but there's a purpose with your blessing and it is to bless others, which means a kingdom mindset. When you're a kingdom mindset, we love to invest in what God is doing in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's the most secure bank account where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the good news about that truth. You can lead your heart with your wallet, with your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I'm sure if you could look over my bank statements, I think I've got them on the next slide, not really. If you could look over my, all my bank statements and, and see where I'm going and see what Brad's spending all the, all the accounts on, you could go, we know where Brad's heart is. You can see it, it's right there. And if you maybe look at your own, do a stock take and go, where's my heart? Are they, and, and it's obviously in coffee for some of us. You'll see a lot of coffee there. I've got to stop saying Mason and Bird at Serenian House where Abby makes great coffee. Great coffee with Serenian House with Abby. She will forgive me now. <laughs> we lead our heart. We lead our heart. Come on, treasures in heaven. That's what we're all about as I move on to my final point, which is it's not just about being kingdom-minded when we give, but it's about having a vision for a vision of the harvest. We give because we have a vision of the harvest. And I say that word very strategically is because giving really is seed sowing. 
It's sowing seeds and you have to sow seeds if you're ever going to get a harvest. You have to sow seeds. And what you're sowing now is determining what harvest you are getting. It says this in Luke 6, 8, give and it will be given to you. That's a, that's, you know the most powerful word in that line? It. Give and it. What is it? It is what you give. Because in the previous context, it's talking about when you are forgiving, when you are merciful, these, the measure you use to others. It says you give, what you give, it will be given back to you. Uh, but different, this is how it's given back. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be used to you. So when you're giving seeds, it'll come back to you in a harvest, yeah? When you give, as I've said it before, if you get up in the morning and you give out energy, you, you exert energy, you will have more energy during the day. It will come back to you. If you get up and just sort of have that coffee and then another coffee and another, you'll need that nana nap by one o'clock. But you haven't given out, you're going to get it back. Amen? And so when we give, we have an expectation that God uh, rewards it. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food, supply, and here it is, and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I love that. God supplies seed to sowers, not to eaters. See, if you're a sower, you will, you will be attracting more seed because God says, I can trust you with a little, now here's a bit more. I can trust you with that much, now here's even more. I can trust you, you've been faithful with little, now you can be faithful with much. But are you sowing with the little? Some people think, oh, there's no point giving to the church. I'm not in a position to really make much of a difference. And th don't think that. That's a bad thought. Whatever you're, wherever level you're at to start giving, to start sowing, it's your level to start sowing seeds. And God sees it and he will reward that and he will supply more seed to sow, more seed to sow, more seed to sow to when you're in a position to be able to sow more. And it's exciting being a sower of seeds. Amen. So I want to talk about, before I'm going to ask in a moment, no, yeah, I'm just going to go to one more scripture. And this scripture I want to read through because if you've, like me, grown up in churches, you would have heard this Scripture from Malachi in different types of ways. And I just want to rock your socks off a little bit with this. You ready? Because here's how I, for Kalamunda, uh, are sowing seeds. It says Malachi 3.8. Notice Malachi is not in the New Testament. It's the Old Testament. It's under the law. It says this, Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Sounds so harsh, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like the Corinthians verses very much. Just give, out of, not out of compulsion. Out of, out of, so you've robbed me. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, it makes for great preaching and, and I've been scared by preachers who've preached before. If you're not tithing, you are robbing God and you're under a curse. I just want to say this morning, it's not true. It's not true. You are not under a curse because it says in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Malachi was under the law. And, and so you, if you're not tithing, I'm here to give you good news. You're not cursed. You're just missing out. You just, some, one preacher said it, not me. If you don't tithe, you're not cursed. You're just stupid. <laughs> not me, that was another preacher. And um, 
It's important to know that people often use this scripture to say, it says you've robbed me not just in tithes and offerings. So if we'd really, here's what I want to liberate you on is this. Abraham gave a tithe before the law was given. So tithing is not a lawful thing. It is a biblical principle. Before the law was given, tithing. And yes, Jesus said, don't neglect the tithe. So, so what I want to say is this. The principle is true that give and it will be given to you. The principle that tithing is great. But to nail people down and say, get to the 10%, the exact dollar, like the and, and decimal point and blah, 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 blah. That, that just puts people under a curse. If you give because you feel you have to because of fear, you are under a curse and your giving is not really that great. I'm being honest. It's not really that great. It's still great to give. But if you're doing it out of fear and trembling and feeling like it's a law, you're missing out. So there's two ways to give. The other way is to give out of the New Testament way, is the Corinthians way, out of love and gratefulness and appreciation. And yes, ten, a tithe does mean a tenth and a 10% is a great place to start. But maybe you can't give 10% and you're like, you know what, I'm going to make 10% my goal. I'm going to start giving 2%, 3% of my income to the church, to my tithe. But I've got a goal to say, Lord, I know you're going to supply seeds to my sowing. So I'm expecting to get to 10%. Maybe you're in a position you can give 25%. Maybe you can, you know, I, know, I, know, I know other people in the Bible college I do online and leaders in that, they, they give up to 80% of their income to, to missional kingdom mission. Imagine that. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Um, what a thrill. But so often we'll go, huh? but what I want to say to you is that tithing is a biblical principle. It's not one that we are law bound on. We are grace bound to be free to give. Does that make sense? But I do think the principle in Malachi, there is a principle which I've underlined, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, what is the storehouse? The storehouse is where the food is stored, where the stuff is stored, where you draw from. And I I do believe there is a principle that we should be giving where we are fed. I really believe that we should be giving where we are fed. And I think that principle is really true that people say, oh, I give to compassion and I give to this. If you get fed here, if you get fed at Kalamunda, if your kids get fed in ministry, if your young people get fed in youth ministry, if you get the Word of God, if this is what your spiritual home is, you should be giving into the life of the storehouse here. And I don't make any apologies for it. It just should be doing it. But I'm not telling you how much or what, but it should be your heart to give where you get fed. Because this is eternal stuff we're talking about. Make sense? Great, the storehouse, the spiritual place, the church. The church, I've got a passion. The church should be the place where, 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 you, where, where your kids are, are dedicated and, and, and start their life with God, where you, you get a community, a family, where you can go through crisis together, where funerals are a place you can get support for because you're in a funeral where you see baptisms happen. We are your spiritual family. And that is when you're giving, it's not like, what am I getting? It's, I just want, I want, I want this. I want to be a part of this. I want to sow into this. I want to sow into good soil. I want to sow into where I get fed. But if you're not getting fed, don't give. I mean that. But if you are, be obedient to what God is calling you to do. Imagine going into a restaurant and eating your food and then getting up and just walking out. And you like, then the waiter comes, what are you doing? I said, oh, it's great. Love the food. Really good. Thanks. I'm off now. Like, you're not going to pay? 
What do you expect me? You expect me. You, I've just said you had great food there. I complimented the food. I thought about the food. I went home and meditated on the food. I went home and thought, hell, I want to go back and get more food. But I didn't pay for the food. Don't hold back, Brad. I heard the story of a church pastor and he'd had a very awkward meeting during the week because the church aircons broke down. It was going to cost $20,000 to fix the aircons. And mate, he said, you've got to talk, you've got to tell the church, we can't afford this, it's not in the budget. So the pastor gets up, he gets up and he says to the church, he thought best way to do it. He said, church, I've got bad news, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Church is like, okay. He says, the bad news is the aircon has broken. It's going to cost us $20,000 to fix it. It's not in the budget. The good news is we have the $20,000. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> I want to say, as Tim Peters, the chairman of the board, he's going to come up now. Um, what a way to intro him. Uh, as, a, as a church, uh, can we grab the other mic for Tim? Thank you. Uh, as a church, we have, we have bad news, we have good news, and we have bad news. <laughs> We've got some news. So what we want, it's all good. And again, we want to share, me and Tim and myself, we want to share, and we've got some stuff that will be on the screen shortly, the current financial reality. Uh, and the reason we want to do this, Tim, is because we're a family. And we want to talk about money. And we want you to know, because you may be unaware. Again, if you're just visiting and you're like, man, this guy's like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> we just want to say, be at peace. Uh, this is for those who really call Callum under their spiritual home. But hey, lean in and have a listen. You might, you might learn something. So Tim, um, I've got the first slide. Do you want to talk us through the first slide of our current reality at the moment? Oh, by the way, Tim has come over a bit. He's chairman of our board and our elders. Um, and yeah, isn't it? And, um, love your heart here, Tim. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So just keeping it really simple. Um, so as you may... Come in this way a bit with the speaker, yeah. You can oh, also right, sorry, sorry. Um, so uh, I've got to remember what I've actually written there. Um, yeah, so we, we took a loan out um, because we had to do some uh, critical issues, uh, critical items in the Mance and here and, and, and over in the function centre. So we got a loan there from Cockwa. So it's an interest-free loan that we took out um, uh, late or mid last year. Um, mm -hmm. So that's very kind of them. And we're obviously paying that back, and that's just over 28000 um, so they paid that into us, into our account, and, and we're drawing down on that by, you know, as, as we progress through the year. Um, and then we've got some other liabilities. So the bottom line, you can see there on that bottom line, literally on the bottom line, um, we've got about $60,000 left, um, like free cash in our bank account. So that's, that's where we are yep. right now. And that doesn't include the, um, the missions account, which is um, about no. $48,000, which was before my time, set aside for missions. That's right. So that was um, originally called CVK, um, but now we just rename that as, as like our missions fund. So that's separate. We, don't, we only use that specifically for mission work. So we don't use that for running the church, so to speak. So that is sacrosanct on that side. So if anybody's giving into missions, the money goes into that, and we don't touch that for just the day-to-day -day running of the church. So, yeah, that's key. Yeah. Important to know. Yeah. And so with our, our annual budget. Um, I'll go to the next slide, thanks. And that, um, so our operating budget. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so basically the current year, so this, this current financial year that we're in, um, our budget was uh, worked out around about 6500 a week. That's, that's our operating cost. That's to, to run this place, to pay all the bills, the wages, 
insurances and all those big ticket items um, and yeah, keep the lights on basically. So that, um, that's that and that, that equates to that number per month. So yeah, it's not a small number. And it's around, so that, that's our sort of 339, is that, that was last year's total yeah, budget, right. 339,000. Yeah. yeah, so you've worked that out. That's, so that's the operating, yeah, 339 was what we, uh, what, what that tallies up to. And yeah. we did a, because um, obviously I came on board a bit over a year ago, and so obviously there was going to be, having a full-time senior pastor, there was going to be a, a change and a hit to the budget in a different way. Um, and so the, we did a, a cutting of everything back to get to that figure, to get to this, to be able yeah. to really uh, be as lean, besides um, staffing, not changing that at the mo in terms of the, in this budget. Um, okay, so yeah. do you want to go to the next slide and explain? This is sure. a bit more of a visual. Okay, so may not be able to read that at the top, but that says total cash monthly um, and the cumulative that our net profit loss per month for this financial year. So that's July to February, so that's our full the full period, um, and what you see there is basically that. So this this includes us drawing down um, on the capital items which we undertook, so like the manse. But um, as you can see, basically every month bar January, we we actually ended up with our a loss basically. So our our income was less than our outgoings, um, and and so you can see that escalates uh, every month. So the cumulative amount is somewhere around about, that, that tallies up to about 54,000, something like that, that we've actually um, gone through. Okay. And last slide, I think. So here's a good one to look at. Yeah, so this is uh, pretty simple. So the line is our budget or our operating uh, cutoff or break even. So that, that's where we actually tread water, if you like, without going down. Uh, and you can see that uh, with just that one month there where um, the rest of the time we're, we're a little bit shy of it and it's been a little bit up and down um, uh, through the holidays, you know, December, January, that's traditional as well to see that dip. But overall you can see that we are shy of that line um, to sustain um, our, well, basically to meet our budget. So yeah, mm. so we're drawing down on our cash reserves, basically. Is that picture helpful? Does it make sense? So, so, um, so to continue doing what we're doing at this moment, yeah, that, that, that's the line we need. Um, was there anything? I think the other thing we're just going to point out is that for a church, our sole income stream is basically the, the tithes and giving. Yep. Yeah, that's right. We, we might hire out this hall occasionally and think, or, you know, auditorium and things like that, but really they're very minor incomes. So, you know, you, you might be aware that we... You know, from time to time we have this other events run here, but really it is the tithing that is 99% basically of our income. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what it's all about. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, give Tim a round of applause. Thank you for your. Oh, you can take that down there. Um, the way you serve, but also yeah, just to give a snapshot. Uh, we want to give a snapshot that we're not in a position for more capital works. Obviously, um, we're in a position where, uh, and it's great timing. That's why I want to share it with us as a family because. Uh, we're now coming into a new financial year, obviously, in July. And so part of our preparation is our budget for that year. And we're looking at, we may need to, obviously need to be able to sustain things, make changes if our giving doesn't increase. And so I don't say that out of, uh, out of any form of fear. I'm really, I'm not here 
um, because I'm chasing a career. I'm here for God's calling and I'm really comfortable in this space and I'm comfortable to shift and make changes, myself included, to make sure that we can sustain what God is doing and we're going to be prioritising uh, and looking at how, make it, what that looks like and prioritising where God's hand is and this season we're in. But we're really optimistic in how we have a response of faith to God. There's another thing that has been done in the past here, which has been called a faith promise. Is anyone familiar with that? Have you been part of that? Have you the church before? We are looking at doing later in the year a faith promise. And again, I'm not giving too much information about this because it's still developing, around underwriting some of our budget around uh, youth and missional community uh, investment things that we're doing, things like Kids Hope, which we're starting soon, mentoring into schools. It's not a big expensive thing, but we could put that as a part of a faith promise and we'd come on a Sunday and we'd aim and give you a, us all a goal to be able to say, hey, we're going to underwrite this amount of the budget with a faith promise enabling us to sustain what we're doing. Maybe take that slide off. It's getting a bit quiet like a Presbyterian church in here. So we'll um, <laughs> go to there. Go to responding. <laughs> Uh, so, so I just want, in closing, I'm going to close and the team can come back up. Uh, I want to talk about our response. Our response, this is, is as a church, as a family. If you were sitting around the kitchen table with your family uh, and you had this conversation, you, you, would, you would just be real about it. And so money can be an awkward thing to talk about. But you know, you know, who, you know, who, you know who never finds it awkward to talk about money? People who give regularly. People who give regularly are never worried about talking about money because they know the blessings of it. They know the principle and the practice. And last week I said in prayer, you need to have a time and a place to pray. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. Three chords of the Christian life if you are doing regularly with a time and a place of fasting, praying, giving. And so do you have a time and a place to give is often uh, something we don't think about. But what is your time and place? I want to encourage you. We want to respond. This isn't a panic station. This is more of a faith response. Lord, we're going to commit this to you. We believe that you want to maintain and sustain the life of Kalamunda as it is now. Or we believe that we need to tighten our belt in areas and we need to make some shifts and changes. And we're okay with that too, Lord, because you are the Lord of this church. Amen. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. As said, we did trim the budget quite strictly last year. Um, and we're looking at reviewing it all again. Who knows that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So I want to say to you as a worker, as a labourer, your little makes a big difference in whatever that looks like. I want to encourage you to seek God about what to give and how to give. But this is our heart at Kalamunda. This is, we're not a Malachi heart. This is our heart here. Uh, Corinthians 9, 6 says this. But I, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So here's the key. So let each one give as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or out of necessity. See the difference? You don't hear that in Malachi. You're robbing God. You're cursed. So, but this, this, is, this is what we're under. We're under this. It says, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God would rather you give 2% cheerfully and in faith than 10% holding your fist tight. That's not the attitude. He's, he's looking at you, not your money. He's looking at your heart. He's training your heart. Uh, cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That, my friend, is the definition of prosperity. 
I believe that's the definition of prosperity. Prosperity is that you will always having sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for everything that God, every good work God's called you to do. And as a church, that's what He's wanting to do here, to give out of a grateful heart, a grateful heart. Can I just say, it's not in my notes, can I just say thank you? To the people that are regularly, just it's a commitment that you believe in what's going on in the house of the Lord here, in the life and ministry, and you give. And I say thank you, not from me, Brad, because I get a wage here. I don't say that. I say thank you for what's going on in the kingdom of God. And, and if it's something that you want to grow in, can I encourage you and challenge you? If you call this home, if this is where you get fed, if this is your spiritual place, would you seek God? about either what you're giving or not giving, would you seek God and hear from Him and give a faith response? Not to me, but to the Lord. Does that make sense? So I'm going to pray for that for us. I'm going to pray for that for us, that that would be where we, where we finish the service. They may be today, um, and I'm well aware, by the way, I'm like you all, we're all feeding people. We're all seeing the cost of living. We're all seeing what the shops are like, the fuel. Uh, it's, you know, churches, uh, often it can be the first thing, well, I just, I need to readjust and that's okay. That's okay. We're all in this together. But maybe for you, it's not. Maybe you're actually having a really successful season in terms of it's bountiful and you, and you can sow bountifully. Who knows? But between you and God, this will, I've said this before, today is a special day where we talk about money, but it will never be a church where we nag you about money. Um, I'd rather work for free, to be honest, than just minister to the Lord for free. It's not, I don't, it's not really about money at all. It's about sustaining God's ministry. And so it will never be a church that we go on and on about it, but we will now, going forward, do our best as leaders to keep you informed so that you are aware and to uh, talk about it healthily as a family. Is that cool? Cool. Let me pray for us. Father, we do just thank you this morning that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Father, I want to thank you for... Uh, the special people in this church, like uh, Deidre, who serves as treasurer, who, who labours over our books and, and, and everything for our staff, for, our, for everyone who serves the board, Lord. And Lord, we also want to say, hey, this is your church. We thank you that you're, you are providing for your church. So we just want to come before you. And Father, I thank you for what you're going to do in and through this church continually. Uh, Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to your leadership this morning to say you guide us with decisions around budget, around going forward into a new financial year. We, we submit to you, Father, whatever this next season looks like, we're thankful that you are leading us and guiding us and we'll move accordingly to that. Lord, will you also bless every person here? Maybe someone here today has been challenged by the principle of giving. And Lord, would you embed into them what you would put on their heart? to be a regular contributor to the kingdom of God here at Kalamunda. This is their home. Not out of obligation, but out of love. Not out of duty, but out of delight. Because my family's getting fed here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just want to give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said, Amen. As you stand, if this, we always open our, our um, altar for prayer. If you want prayer around anything, maybe it's prayer around financial stuff. Maybe there's some stuff that you need prayer for. Amen. But uh, if there's anything else, our prayer team will come forward. Feel free to come and pray. Thank you, worship team.